0: Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student-athlete and co-host. Ryan, jam, two-man, monster flush. Off the inbound, Ryan, jam, slam, jam. Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication, personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served... Thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at TeamAnders.com. Welcome to the TFS pod for late July 2022. You know what that means. We are rounding the corner towards football season. A couple of things by way of intro. Did you see the Blue Jays scored 28 28, as in four touchdowns, runs against the Boston Red Sox the other day. Whoa. I saw it today. Loved it. Applaud it. Death of the freaking stupid-ass turnover chain. Good riddance. That started a ridiculous trend, in my opinion. All for guys having fun. All for guys celebrating. That puts this spotlight and the focus on one guy. Never was a fan of it. Maybe with Mario Cristobal getting rid of it, everybody else will. Tigers. Are they even watchable anymore? Big Ten Media Day is underway. Fitting that we'll be starting our Big Ten previews today. FedEx Cup is now the focus of golf. And 32 days to college football. Let's get to the podium. Ryan, the lectern is yours.
1: Uh, I'm going to double dip this week. Uh, I'll make it short like usual, but... Uh, do two things because these were interesting to me, and one just has been on my mind a lot lately. Speaking of the Tigers and just Detroit's teams in general, we all know how you know we've talked about Detroit sports teams and the rebuilds and you know where they're at in them. The Pistons, they're doing the best, you know, whatever their owner. You don't really hear about them. The lines you hear about the Fords, because quite frankly, yeah, they might be good people, but they are terrible at their job. They do it for. Um, a tax write-off because it's been in the family and they have no business owning a professional sports team. Um, and I digress. They need to get rid of them, sell them to someone who um, actually knows a little something about sports. <coughs> Matt Ishbia. Um, please buy him. Um, but the Illich family, Chris Illich in general, what kind of clown show is this guy running over um, You know, for, for the Tigers and the Wings? The Tigers had that good run, you know, early 2010s, where they were playing really well, make it to ALCS, you know, World Series, all this stuff. They were continually making the playoffs and at least in the hunt. This is year seven under they get rid of Dombrowski. Now they get Al Avila. Today's actually Fire Al Avila night at Comerica. So hopefully a lot of people showed up and brought their signs because this guy's trash. The Illiches, after, was, was it Mike? He was the. He's the original one. He Mm. passed away, and now it's his son, Chris, I believe. He's pretty terrible at what he's doing as well. Um, Just finds like, why can't we just have some competent owner, someone that knows a little something about sports and is like, enough is enough. Al should have been fired a month ago. But he's still here, and the the trade deadline's coming up here, and he's trying to make trades. No way this clown should be doing anything with this team's future when he's not going to be there next year. Which he actually could be because you never know with Detroit teams. Um, and my second part was Kyler Murray. Um, he just signed a new contract, two hundred thirty million dollars. In there, it mandates him four hours of weekly film study. Homework. Homework. Kyler Murray has to do homework. To monitor
0: his iPad, they turn off the naughty links on his iPad, so he can't too, be too looking busy at porn playing, and playing video games. Too busy
1: playing some video games and gaming instead of playing quarterback. Maybe that's why they keep sucking. Maybe it'll change it, Kyler. Maybe not.
0: $230 million contract that has pretty incredible or incredulous, or they'll leave you incredulous, stipulations involved. I mean, like babysitter. Hey, hey, power to the Cardinals for protecting themselves. A little CYA on their investment. I, I get it. But, like, should you have to deal with your franchise quarterback in that manner? Maybe you go find somebody like Jimmy G or somebody else instead. I don't know. Was this, Jamarcus Russell when the, <laughs> yeah, when the no Raiders kidding.
1: gave him the blank tape and they told him to watch it and they asked him what he saw in there. He's like, oh,
0: yeah, some good film. Yeah, yeah. What is? <laughs> Back to the Detroit thing. While I don't disagree with that take, I will say a good GM can solve that and the Pistons seem to have that and Stevie Y. The Lions has, has have the, Stevie Y has the Red Wings head in the right direction. I have more faith in the pistons, Excuse me, in the Red Wings to get it right because they have more of a history of getting it right. Lions, Tigers, I have very little faith. All right, my podium. Nope, surprise, surprise. Staying away from anything political or negative this week, although there's plenty of that. I, I wanted to tee up our favorite tee-up artist, um, but we'll get to that in a minute, but Ryan wouldn't let me. So my podium. MSU is at it again with its out-of-conference basketball sleet. 10 scholarship guys, three of which are freshmen, and they are playing in no particular order. Villanova at home in the Gavit games. Kentucky in the tip-off, or whatever they call it, the Hall of Fame. Is it, what is that called now? Champions, Champions Classic. Champions um, Which Spartans have spared, fared okay against Kentucky. They're in good Kentucky teams, but we'll see. Um, Alabama in the, what is it, the PK-85. The 85. 85. Uh, Phil Knight- Thing out in Portland, um, and that is also a loaded field that has Iowa State, North Carolina, Oregon, Yukon, and Villanova. Um, we're playing Gonzaga on a freaking boat. Now, Notre Dame might be the Notre Dame that even they were last year or that they've been in the past, but at Notre Dame, I mean, another murderer's row schedule for Tom Izzo. And then tough Oakland the every year. Yeah, Oakland's always tough. A couple of the directional schools in Michigan. Um, I applaud it. I think it's a chance to kind of sink maybe a little bit, but then swim eventually and get tough. I'm um, glad to see Ezo's not backing down, even though he didn't exactly go up and, and add a whole lot to his team. I mean, they've got, they've got some good players on that team going into the year, but, man, they're not very deep and they're not very big, and it's going to be really interesting really quickly um, to see how they do against the likes of these schools. I love it, um, but let's talk in November see in December and see how it's going. Um, more on basketball down the road. All right, for our tee-up, Ryan, what do you got this week? We, I mean, there isn't much going on, not much negative.
1: We're going to do a little pop, pop culture. We'll keep it quick also. We're going to tee up Klondike, you know, the company, ice cream company. They're discontinuing Choco Tacos after
0: 40 years. This is blasphemy. Huge mistake. What is, what's next, the Nutty Buddy? I mean, yeah. it is like, it's the Nutty Buddy in taco form oh that's so disappointing not that I've eaten one lately but I mean, they're the, better than regular Klondike bars let's face it they it's a, just it's are it's, it's vanilla ice cream with a hard chocolate shell and some nuts sprinkled on top and basically what amounts to a taco shaped sugar cone it is heaven in a freezer and shame on you Klondike for getting rid of it by the way in this woke culture this is tongue in cheek shouldn't Klondike change their name is that offensive to somebody should everything just be generic brand now? I don't know. Just saying. All right, moving on to our four downs for the week. We've got a lot of football this week. we got a little bit of golf, as we always do. Ryan's going to get us started in first down with the wrap-up of the Michigan State previews and position previews. This week, the defensive backs. Ryan, take it away.
1: Um, well, to say that 2021
0: was a down year for the Michigan State
1: secondary is <laughs> an understatement. gave up... Most pass yards in school history, um, you know, were pretty terrible. Um, to be quite honest and frank with you, um, you know, just couldn't keep guys in front of them. You know, Ohio State burned them, Purdue burned them. I mean, even Kate McNamara, had 390 yards. Um, it wasn't great, uh, but this year, I think, um, you know, Harlan Barnett's the all, coaching all the secondary now with Tuck's help. Um, I think that's going to help, and then you know, bringing in some, some guys and guys, you know, being healthy um, and, and having experience, I think that's going to help. And even if they're just you know marginally better, you know, they go from bottom ten to middle of the pack. I mean, that makes your defense that much better. Um, and assuming Michigan State, like like I've been talking about, better in the front seven. Um, you know, this could be a you know that could help, that helps you win a game. You know, that helps you last year. Maybe you beat Purdue instead of losing to them um, because of that. Um, so, yeah, we'll get to the secondary air start um, with the uh, cornerbacks. Uh, a few guys back, uh, a few new names in there that we'll probably see some time. Um, yeah, we'll start with a new guy. Um, comes over from Georgia, um, Amir Speed. Um, he's a he's a transfer. He played for Georgia for, I think he's four or five, five years, maybe, I want to say. He um, was mostly special teams guy. Had a few starts last year, and then got kind of banged up, and then finished the year. Um, on special teams. He's big. He's 6'3". He's very fast. Um, he brings that SEC pedigree experience and he's pretty quick. His name um, lives up to his um, what he does out there in the field. Um, rave reviews about him. Saw him the spring game. Pretty physical guy. Um, think he will definitely be one of the starting corners and I think the other starting corners would be Ronald Williams. Um, a guy that was Kind of banged up last year, you know. He at the beginning of the year was kind of rough, and kind of got better. Um, obviously, like I said, he was a little banged up, but he he's he got better. He's a pretty good tackler, pretty decent speed, um, you know, out there in the edge. Um, and he's got you know he's got okay size, six two. I mean, that's six two and six three out there. Um, you know, playing playing corner in both SEC transfers. Um, at that, and backing them up, um, you know, I think we're going to see Chuck Brantley, a guy that I was very impressed with. Um, last year, as a, as a freshman, he's definitely hopefully put on weight. Um, he's not the biggest guy in the world. Um, let's see, I mean, spring ball, he was listed at six foot one sixty-five. Give him up to one eighty, and then we'll talk. Um, but he's a, he's ferocious. He's not afraid to put his nose in there and hit. Um, he's pretty physical just in general with with receivers. Expect him if he's healthy to to get a lot of a lot of downs there um, at corner. Um, and then another guy, Marquis Lowry. He had moments last year. Really, seems like he's also very physical. Um, you know, likes to likes to come up in, in the run game and, and hit a little bit. Um, he played well in a couple games. He was also banged up as well. So, um, keeping these guys healthy is going to be you know going to be big. If we can do that, I think Michigan State sees a lot of success with those four. Um, then you put in other guys, um, Corey Crump. He read. Uh, I think he registered. Two years ago when he was at Arizona last year, he, didn't, he played mostly special teams, um, You know, bring, provides depth at the position. Then Kendall Brooks, um, I believe he was a transfer from a D2 school um, in South Carolina last year, kind of just also provides depth. Um, then you got two, two, uh, two freshmen coming in. So you got Aide Willie. Um, he's from IMG Academy, kind of a late bloomer um, kind of guy from Michigan State. Um, he enrolled early. They... He looked pretty fast and good in the spring game. He's also 6'2", pretty good size, and um, I think maybe you'll see him on special teams a little bit, but do not uh, be surprised if you see a redshirt on him. Um, then um, Dylan Tatum's the other guy from West Bloomfield, really fast kid. Can also play safety a little bit, nickel. Um, expect him to play corner nickel, um, but probably be a redshirt candidate as well. He was also an early enrollee, so he got some... Some good experience there, and and that's it's just you know good to get those guys um, you know you know really getting bulked up, learn the playbook, all that good stuff. Get that spring ball practice um, experience, then moving to nickel, um, a guy that you know a lot of Michigan State fans were not happy with last year. He I mean made the big play against Nebraska, um, you know made some decent tackles, but got burned a lot in coverage. Wasn't very good. Um, that's Chester Kimbro. Um, they have moved him to nickel um, which is more of his natural position because he's then he can you know cover some tight ends he's pretty good in the run game pretty good tackler um, he's got he's got a decent size on him at six foot um, I expect him to see a lot of snaps at, at nickel there um, I think that's the right spot for him and hopefully you know he'll'll he'll be confident in it and and do really well um, I think you will see that out of him um, then a guy that we talked about can play linebacker, can play nickel, can play safety all over the board. Darius Snow, I think you'll expect him, expect to see him kind of all over the board at those three positions, playing nickel a little bit. He played that a lot last year, was really good. Um, took over for Michael Dowell pretty early in the season, never gave that a really good tackler. Kind of got to get, get a little faster, but, I mean, he's he's physical, um, comes from a great Michigan State bloodline, um, so he knows what it takes. And a guy... Um, that I really, I'm high on. Um, watch him in the spring game, pretty good size. Um, expect I'm expecting to see him on the field because um, he's that talented. And that's a guy that committed late in the cycle. That's Caleb Colley. Uh, I think he committed the day before signing in December and then committed and enrolled early. Um, very, very physical. He's from Georgia, pretty highly rated kid. Um, can play corner, can play nickel. Yeah. Um, Coaching staff raved about him. Spring ball. Expect to see him out on the field a lot. Um, you know, getting experience nickel, especially on special teams. And then you got Justin White. Can play corner or um, or nickel. Um, made that big corner nickel blitz against Michigan. Knocked McNamara and was a kind of a you know game changing play in that game. And you also have the fumble recovery, special teams ace um, against Pitt. Fast little guy. Former track star. Um, so expect those guys at those positions. Then safety, you know, you, you bring back two guys: uh, free safety and strong safety. Free safety, um, you know, Angela Gross. Um, what what the sugar weasels? And that what Mel Sugar Weasel? Yeah. He was kind of banged up last year. Played with a club on his hand for a lot of the year. He was all right. You know, he's not the fastest guy, um, but expect to see him. You know, get better. Um, and when he's healthy, I think he's going to be good because you saw that out of him um, his freshman year. He's a physical kid, likes to hit. Hopefully, he can just you know make those plays and not give up big ones. Um, then you got Xavier Henderson. He's on the Thorpe watch list. He's on the Nagurski watch list. Um, Fifth-year senior. He started basically for four and a half years. He knows the defense inside and out. Knows these Big Ten teams. Um, leader, um, unquestioned, unquestioned leader of this defense. Big win that he came back. I'm expecting him to have a monster season. and He's going to improve that draft stock and and you know be a mid-round pick. Um, He's big. He's going to be a big-time player. And then backing them up, um, you know, backing gross up. We've got A.J. Kirk, um, redshirted last year. His brother played um, at Ohio State, so he's got that in his blood as well. He's 6'1", 200 pounds, kind of banged up last year. It's why you didn't see him out there, um, but expect him to get in there. I've heard he's pretty good. Then another early enrollee that will, I think he'll be the backups to uh, Henderson and probably play a lot on special teams as well, that's Jaden Mangum. Um, he's from Detroit area. pretty long kid 63 skinny though about 190. Um, very fast uh, ball Hawk rolled early so he's got that under his belt. he's got that experience. And then you know with, with experience you know backing them up. Tate Halleck from FHC, um, another Spartan legacy. Um, and then you got Malik Spencer who um, you know I don't't I don't remember if he enrolled early no he didn't um, but he's uh, you know he's a decent player. Um, you know, top top 650 recruit out of Georgia, pretty physical kid as well. Um, expect him to redshirt, and as well as Malcolm Jones, who was a later commit um, in the in the um, in the cycle as well. Um, another bigger kid, six one um, at safety. We expect him to redshirt um, and, and get that experience. Uh, hopefully, get in some mop up duty in some games. But yeah, excited for this defense. See where they're gonna go and um, what could happen because anything pass-wise is better than last year. Any improvements get improvement.
0: Yeah, I mean, it can't get worse, right? That, I guess it can, but, you know, Michigan State did get picked on a lot. Now, there was a weakness that kind of inflated some of the stats a little bit, so it's kind of a, you know, one hand, other hand. <laughs> on one hand, they got picked on a lot. On the other hand, it was because they weren't very good. So I know sometimes you can kind of throw the stats out the window. Hey, even with that shoddy secondary, they went 11-2 and two last year. Um, you know, it's going to have to get better. You know, there's the schedule's tough. We're going to start to get into breakdowns of the teams here, starting this week here in a couple of downs. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm quietly optimistic for what improvement I think we'll see. I think giving Barnett the keys to all the DBs, I think Tuck working with them a little bit as well. Um, I think they're going to write that ship and, and, you know, turn it into a, a strength for the team. Um, I think what's in front of them, as Ryan has covered the last couple weeks, is certainly solid, and that helps. And let's face it, Michigan State's been okay lately at getting after the passer. But I mean, I can count on—I can't even count on my hands and feet how many times Michigan State was this close, but didn't quite hit the quarterback, and then they got a big play. You know, defensive backs can only cover for so long. Um, And so a lot of that, and most generic, you know, every day just show up Saturday to watch the team fans would say, well, the secondary sucks. Sometimes your pass rush is to blame for that. So, and as Captain usually chimes in, he agrees. Um, You know, I think with Michigan State's improved front, not necessarily that they got, well, yeah, they got better, I think, from a pass rush standpoint, and I think, you know, with the, the coaching that they're getting up there, I think some backers that can rush the quarterback a little bit better, that's going to be the key. Like if they can get pressure on quarterbacks, and more than pressure, I think Michigan State got plenty of pressure last year. We just didn't hit them enough and disrupt throws enough and disrupt timing enough. And you let good guys sit back there, and there's plenty of good quarterbacks out there, they're going to pick you apart. So I think the real key to Michigan State's secondary is, of course, health, of course, sure tackling, of course, you know, keeping good footing and good leverage and all that good stuff. But they're going to be as good as the pass rush is. If Michigan State can improve their ability to sack the quarterback and disrupt throws and get in passing lanes, I think the secondary is going to see a market improvement, and I predict that that will happen, and I think that Michigan State's secondary will be better as a result. So we'll get into picks, you know, over the next three, four weeks, um, you know, and then we'll get a little bit more in-depth maybe on some of those things and break it down as it relates to the schedule but great job with these previews ryan Uh, plenty of plenty of information and names to watch for for all the spartan fans out there that are listening um and excited to see it kind of come to fruition here practice has got to start what next week next week so um yeah it's it's right around the corner and exciting times all right moving to second down (laughs) we're gonna keep a bracket in play this week um Was kind of going back and forth with what I wanted to do with this one yesterday and and kind of decided hey it's college football we're gonna get into the picks here for the Big Ten so let's get a theme rolling so this week's bracket best college football music not fight songs some are intros some are end of quarter type of deals as you'll see why some of these I've experienced a lot of them I have experienced firsthand which is pretty fortunate Almost all these you can find on the internet somewhere and so you've probably seen them or heard them in some way shape or form we're on a roll where Ryan pulls up some new or old highlighter new video on YouTube almost every night to watch on TV because there's nothing else on um, so let's get to it bracket number one you've got the classic Virginia Tech with Inter Sandman which is incredible do yourself a favor if you don't know about it and watch it. Watch all of these if, if you haven't seen any of them. Going up against what is sneakily and a little bit biased because we're Michigan State, people with Michigan State season football tickets, but has become, I think maybe it was even last year it was just added, but is yeah. really good in electric. MSU, end of third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter, Mo Bamba.
1: Interesting, man.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Mo Bamba is, I mean, though... If you've been there and you've experienced it, especially in that Penn State snow game, it's pretty sick. All right, phasing the winner of number two, Florida, with Tom Petty's Won't Back Down, and MSU again. Wish they wouldn't have gotten rid of it. It was pretty classic and had been around for a while. MSU's Thunderstruck intro. Florida. I'm going to go with MSU there. Um, tech or Florida? Vatech. And I will go the same. Again, that is just sick. I had a chance to go to that game uh, back when we had the sponsorship with Amway and the Coach's Trophy. It was Virginia Tech, Ohio State. Um, Opted to go to instead to stay home and go to Michigan State, Oregon, uh, which was a good game too. But kind of kicking myself in some ways because I would have loved to experience that. All right, next bracket down. You got number one seed Florida State with Chief Osceola in the uh, Tomahawk Chop chant, if for you know, lack of a better um, way to explain it. Against number four seed, Ohio State with the Beach Boys. I think no not not the Beach Boys. I always want to say it's the Beach Boys, but it's another sixties group, Hang on Sloopy.
1: I don't even know what that is. <laughs> you never, just do you're the, too you're too old. Just or do too the young. Florida State. That's not a song though. Hang on Sloopy. Are, like, no, this
0: that's a I said it's both. They still have their own song. It's their chant. And I picked the bracket, so I get to say. All right. Facing the winner of number two, and we heard this ad nauseum at the Citrus Bowl one year. Alabama with Sweet Home Alabama versus Penn State, all of the lights during their whiteout.
1: Um, Sweet Home Alabama, just classic.
0: It is, but I got to go Penn State because that whiteout scene is pretty crazy. Uh, I'm going Penn State. So Florida State, Bama, Ryan. Uh Bama. And I'm going to go with Penn State and upset the whiteout. Um, number one, game day. coming to your city mm-hmm. against number four. Again, kind of more of a tradition, but musical in some respects. The Army-Navy Cadet March.
1: The uh, Yes, I hate ESPN, but...
0: Yeah, it's one. hard to argue with that. Um, pretty cool. Um, number two, South Carolina Sandstorm, which I experienced and is wicked sick against number three you probably didn't even know they did this uh they have the tunnel walk and they walk out to Sirius you know what Sirius is
1: yeah the bowls yeah who who does that Nebraska we didn't say who oh I
0: didn't say who sorry Nebraska so you got South Carolina Sandstorm, or Nebraska I didn't even know that Nebraska
1: walked out to that
0: and then ESPN or South Carolina? Uh, let's
1: go South Carolina because I
0: hate ESPN. <laughs> I'm going to come into your city ESPN. All right. And the next and last bracket, you've got number one, Wisconsin jump around against number four, Tennessee Rocky Top.
1: Uh Wisconsin.
0: I will concur with that. So That's I'm one that we want to experience for sure. Now number two I have experienced. Number three I have not. Number two, LSU Colin Baton Rouge. Number three, West Virginia, Take Me Home, Country Roads. Oh, that's a tough one. Jeez. Let's go West Virginia. That is a tough one, but I've seen LSU, and that is like 95,000 people singing Garth Brooks, Colin Baton Rouge, so I'm going LSU. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, West Virginia, Ryan. Uh,
1: West Virginia.
0: And I've got Wisconsin, LSU. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with you, dub I'm going to put Wisconsin in there. All right, you got Votac Inter Sandman, against Alabama, Sweet Home Alabama.
1: Uh, Inter Sandman.
0: And I've got the same. I've got Votac over Penn State, um, their whiteout song. And then you've got South Carolina Sandstorm against West Virginia Take Me Home Country, Country Roads. Roads. And I've got ESPN against Jump Around. Uh, man, it's tough because I do hate ESPN with a passion, but that intro is sick. I'm going ESPN. vatech West Virginia, Ryan. vatech And I'm going to go vatech over ESPN. So enter Sandman. It is a little bit of fun, a little bit of get you going. Again, do yourself a favor, whether you look up best college football song traditions or whatever, or just go to YouTube and look at these things, crank it up, put it on the loudspeaker, whatever. Um, even though it's not your team, This will send chills up your spine. All right, now we're moving into the meat of the podcast, and the meat of the podcast really might switch between second and third down depending on if we have a bracket or Mount Rushmore. But we are going to cover, as previewed or mentioned last week, (coughs) seven six this week five four, then three two then one over the next four weeks and break down the Big Ten. Ryan's got the West. I've got the East. Kind of our process, I've got mine up in front of me. Um, we both looked at the entirety of the schedule, all the records check out. Meaning, if Ryan picked Ohio State to beat Wisconsin, you know, he's not going to say Wisconsin's going to beat Ohio State, for example. So, every game, game by game, was picked by both of us. Now, we do have some differences. We, we talked about this last week. We talked about do we combine them and have a unified approach, but. As long as we we agreed, as long as we pick exactly how the schedule should be, so again matching up your wins and losses and everything, and it's a true apples to apples comparison. He's taking the West, I'm taking the East, but because we might have some differences, we'll we won't weigh in on the full predictions of the other, but we'll give you kind of like I agree, I disagree. I think you know X Y Z will go this and this and get to this bowl game type of thing. So Ryan. You're going to kick us off with 7 West, I'm going to go 7 East, you're going to go 6 West, and then I'm going to go well, 6 I the, East.
1: I get to lead off. Alright, well, without further ado, the Big Ten West. Um, the West sucks, we'll just tell you that uh, straight up. They, it's not. Good. I'd call it parody. The East is way better. Um uh but I think there's a clear cut as much as I like. it's supposed to be a good year for them because it's an even year. Uh they alternate usually Northwestern does that's who I'm picking yeah, yeah, yeah. to finish dead last um in the Big 10 West. Um so um you know we're, we're doing this thing we're going to do it. the five year trend you know some facts talk about the offense defense some newcomers in there special teams what they bring back strength, weaknesses prediction um Five-year trend. So, 2017, they were 10-3. Okay, that was an odd year they were good. 2018, 9-5, went to the Big Ten title. 2019, 3-9. 2027, 2. 2021, 3-9. Another fun facts. Uh, It's not really fun for them, but it's interesting. Um, They lost Brandon Joseph to Notre Dame. This guy, one of the best safeties in college football, transferred out NIL deal, the whole shebang. um, And they had some key recruits that decommitted, not good. Um, but this is the this is a good thing Fitz is the second longest tenured head coach in the conference been around since 2006 so longevity there for Fitz one of my favorite coaches that's not and he's young state. still yeah, he's still he's
0: in his 40s
1: yeah really forties. I mean mid Mid-40s. 40s probably um, but yeah their offense oh boy Last year they had trouble scoring points. This year I don't think that's going to be any different. Um, Ryan Halinski is going to be the signal caller. He's an underwhelming to say the least. Um, you know, last year hardly – they kind of mixed up. They had like three different quarterbacks that they played. This guy's a transfer from South Carolina. He was, you know, very highly touted coming out. Didn't play a ton his freshman year at South Carolina. So he eventually transferred to Northwestern. And he's kind of the only guy – really with experience it's on this roster right now. Um, so they hope that he can kind of turn it around and and give them at least a little something uh, that would probably be good for him. Um, but I don't, I don't really see it. I think it's going to take a lot. Running back, you know, they, they're they not bad. You know, Evan Hall comes back. He had a 1,000-plus yards last year, seven touchdowns. Um, they also have some depth at that position. They have Anthony Tyus, who was a – True freshman last year, actually from Portage, Michigan, um, was pretty decent um, in a backup role. Um, and then we also have um, Andrew Clare, who is you know a pretty good backup, and Cam Porter, who was supposed to be the starter heading the last year. Tore his ACL, I think, a couple weeks before week one. Uh, he's back. So they have four decent backs there. You know, hopefully the, their line, um, I think, is the biggest one of the biggest strengths on this football team. Um, Usually is for Northwestern. Yeah, I can't remember uh, Peter and um, he's, he returns an All Big Ten player, um, left tackle, probably going to be a top first or second round pick, um, you know, in the draft. The four and the four starters are back. That's really good news for him. Otherwise, um, and some of the guys, you know, it's is it. The good news is they're back. The bad news is they're back. You know, um, <laughs> what Judd Heathcote used to say, I guess. Um, but it, it, experience is good on the, on the offensive line, um, no matter what. But they got to move people. They got to create lanes for their, for the running backs, and give their quarterback time. Because receiver, uh, they don't have much. They lost kind of their top few guys, and they bring in, um, bring back a couple decent guys from League Washington. He's the kind of leader, and then Bryce Kurtz um, is one of those guys. And then they also bring in um, four star for, for newcomers here. Four star um, freshman Reggie Fleurima is uh, you know six two receiver, pretty good size. Probably see. Him out there in the field, then Danny Navarro. Um, he's transferred from Illinois. Um, played a little bit uh, here and there for the for the Illini. Um, has experience in the Big Ten, so that's always good. Um, but yeah, offense not going to be the greatest thing in the world. So we'll see what happens with them. Uh, then flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, um, they lost Brandon Joseph. Like I said, they lost Chris Bergen, um, another one of their DBs. But their defensive backs actually are strong. A lot of their top tacklers coming back are defensive backs. I think five of their top eight, I want to say, um, former former um, defensive back or that are defensive backs and were pretty high up there on tackles last year, which probably isn't great when your secondary guys are leading you in tackles. It means the ball's getting deep um, every time. But they do bring back Bryce Gallagher. He's been an All Big Ten kind of guy um, at linebacker for them for the last couple years. Um, pretty big kid, six two, two forty, typical Northwestern guy. They'll, they'll, a fits guy. They've always got a always got some Irish guy. Uh-huh. Uh, as, a, as a good linebacker, Patty Fisher a few years ago, um, and now Bryce, um, unquestioned leader. Um, in their defensive line, not great. Uh, it's it's okay. Um, they they brought in some decent, bringing in some decent guys. Um, you know that were. Um, in the recruiting class, they got Antosaka, another four-star um, from Maryland. Um, he'll probably play a lot because they it's need tough to realign. They need brand f- new
0: freshmen though. Yeah,
1: and then they have Wendell Davis. He's a linebacker transfer. Hopefully, he'll fill. And they got a, a guy uh, Ryan Johnson, defensive lineman transfer from Stanford. Um, so hopefully, he can help out because they need it um, to get to the quarterback. Because their defense was not the typical Fitz defense last year. They did lose after last year. Their I can't remember what his name was, the defensive coordinator had retired. Um, so last year, the first year, adjusting without him. Um, and then you move over um, You know, to special teams. Lost their punter, um, and they bring in uh, Luke Akers from UCLA to punt, and then he was okay last year. And then Jack Olson, former Michigan State kicker, uh, will be their kicker. Charlie Coon, whatever his name is, he was their kicker for the last couple of years. He was all right. Coonbanger. Yeah, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but I'm going to try <laughs> Um, get to the strength. I think the strength of this team is a running back room. They have a lot of depth there um, in the fact that Pat Fitzgerald is leading them um, in an even year, um, election year. They always do well. And then their weakness. If Helinski goes down, if he struggles, they're screwed even more than they are now because they have absolutely no proven depth. No one else has played it down, and this guy struggled last year. So that is ultimately why, um, which leads me to picking them finished last um, in the Big Ten West Division. That's funny. They they play Week Zero against Nebraska. It's in Dublin, Ireland. I have them winning this game.
0: That's one place that we differ. I think I they're going to win. I'm losing, I,
1: Nebraska sucks. I think they suck. I think that Nebraska's gonna, or I'm sorry, Northwestern's going to win this, and they're going to feel good about themselves. They go into a bye week, Week One, and then Week Two. Um, which is their week three, really. Um, they play Duke um, at home. Battle of the Smarties, I guess. Low-level uh, Power Five. I think they'll win that because Duke's going to be pretty abysmal. And then Southern Illinois win. Um, Miami, Ohio win.
0: The fighting Brad Gamble. Chuck
1: Martin's still their coach, I think. And then then this is where it gets ugly for them. have than losing eight straight games to end the season after a 4-0 start, they play at Penn State. I don't think they have a chance. They play Wisconsin. No. By week, at Maryland, I have them losing. At Iowa, loss. Ohio State, loss. At Minnesota, loss. At Purdue, loss. And then finish the season against their interstate rival, Illinois, loss. 4-8 and eight, overall, 1-8 and eight in the Big Ten. Seventh place finish, they they uh, cut out the, the odd even thing um, and have two bad seasons in a row. But Fitz probably... He, his job security, I think, is always going to be safe because he's fits.
0: He graduates players. He's a legend there. They kind of know their place in the Big Ten. <clears throat> Northwesterns. You can't hate Northwestern. You just can kind of count on that as a win. It's like they were back in the '80s, Sometimes '70s, they and they '80s. Mean us. Um, and just for the record, um, I have them going one game worse, three and nine overall, zero oh and nine in the Big Ten because I haven't losing to Nebraska. Um, finishing dead last in the big 10 west and you know maybe with some of those newcomers ryan mentioned they can round into something but it's just really hard to rely on that many freshmen even if they're four stars because high school to college is such a big jump so you know in some ways i i hope i'm wrong michigan state doesn't face northwestern this year i don't mind northwestern by any stretch of the imagination um i like to see them do well um even in a division as weak as the Big Ten West, I just I just don't see it coming. Now, it's just not. It's not we'll, we'll come back and revisit these picks and see how we did you know, when all is said and done in, in December. But uh, Ryan and I are in alignment there. Which moves us to number 7 or 7th place dead last in the Big Ten East. That will be, sorry Alex Gam, the Indiana Hoosiers. Hoosiers daddy. Their trend, very interesting. Well, interesting, you decide what's interesting. Last year, 0-9. Good for mm-hmm. last place. Year before, 6-1 and one in the COVID year. Second, had some great upsets. Um, had an overall really good season for them. Kind of everything lined up. I, I, I do think that they're well coached. <laughs> I think their coach is good. I think he, he can recruit decently, but... They're like a lot of the middling Big Ten teams. They can't get enough depth to get over the hump to get a big win once in a while, to rise up maybe every three years and and make a run at a bowl game or, you know, like an eight and four record, sure. Um, but Indiana's a basketball school. Go back beyond that. They were five and four in the Big Ten and fourth place in twenty. Uh, what year would that be? Twenty nineteen two and seven and two and seven the two years before that so their trend is not that great two wins two wins five wins six wins zero wins and six wins against depleted rosters and covid bs and all that other stuff so that's the anomaly you kind of have to throw that out you had one good year five and four fourths in the big 10 that was kind of the year that built up to the six and one in the big 10 year Eesh. this is why i have them in seventh place this year Fun fact about Indiana. The Hoosiers' last Big Ten title was in 1967. That's <laughs> six years before I was born. They've won three, bas- in three, maybe four NCAA basketball Both. titles in that four, time. Four, yeah. um, yeesh, that's not a good fun fact. All right, let's break it down. Offensively, you know, in Indiana's great year, Michael Penix was healthy. And then he got hurt late, and things kind of fell apart. He he's gone. He transferred to Washington. Um, Indiana last year played, I don't know, something like they had three or four quarterbacks that threw at they least fifteen passes they last played year. Four, yeah. So that that's your starting point is is with your offense. Never mind the fact that you have a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback, a new running back, and running backs. New period. New wide receivers. Um, And then they got a bunch of new stuff on defense that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, Boy, Indiana's a team that you... Tom Allen's a good guy. People like to play for him. You want to see them do well. But he's got five new assistant coaches. He's got 12 players from the transfer portal. Maybe trying to go the Mel Tucker route um, while trying to get back to 2019 and 2020 ways. So looking at the offense... Plainly said, nothing worked last season. They were last in the Big Ten in offense, Uh, couldn't score, couldn't move the ball. They had four, four touchdown passes in nine Big Ten games. Four. No wonder they rotated four quarterbacks. Um, Maybe a new offensive coordinator will help. I don't know. Um, Starting quarterback is going to be interesting. It's a multiplayer competition. I would say based on spring ball and kind of all the things that we've heard that I've read, you know, looking at multiple sources, Ryan and I both are multiple source guys. We don't just look at one publication to kind of gather things because sometimes there's some discrepancies. Uh, Mizzou transfer, kind of Connor Bazilek, looks like he's the favorite Perfect. to start. Um, you know, you have Jack Tull back who played long uh, last it's year, seems like he's been there forever. Um, they had a really good freshman last year too. Let me. Macaulay. Yeah, he's like six
1: four, six five. He's more of a
0: runner. You know, and you've got Dexter Williams, Donovan McCauley, But he could get Macaulay could get moved to wide receiver. Um, yeah, he, boy, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Indiana can do on offense. They just they they got to score touchdowns. I mean. You can't win games even if your defense is great if you can't score touchdowns and that is going to be, uh, you know, an epic struggle. Um, you, you know, I you got to think that Basilik is probably the guy. He's got some experience, but then the other guys had experience too. You know, and that would be okay if you were a little bit undecided at quarterback. If you were sure what you had at running back or wide receiver. None of Indiana's top four running backs are back. Now, I will say, Indiana has a, has a history of having sneaky good running backs—guys yes. that kind of come out of nowhere, and you're like, "Huh, where's that guy?" Kind of under recruited, under the radar guys. Um, they got a, a nice Auburn transfer in Sean Shivers. They've got Josh Henderson, one of a couple of North Carolina transfers that could, um, you know, play immediately and and have a chance to kind of make some noise. They don't have a canine, I can tell you that much. But, um, you know, both guys are, are talented, but neither did much last year at their other schools, which is why they transferred. So, running back is interesting. Indiana has to kind of hit the control alt delete and reboot at wide receiver. DJ Matthews Jr. did start four games in the slot before an injury ended his season. They've got. Cam Camper, a transfer from Trinity Valley Junior College. Um, you know, but you're talking about a guy that drew praise for ability to generate yards after the catch in spring practice. So I don't know if that says he's good or the defense sucks. Uh so I I don't know there. Um Emory Simmons is a guy that transferred from North Carolina. He caught just 30 passes in three seasons. Has a little bit of experience. That's why McCauley may well go there. I mean, why waste your best talent? He's a big dude. He could be a guy. Um, get you know, get your best athletes on the on the field. Um, you know, at tight end, AJ Barner. He's got good size, good hands. He's got decent speed. Here's a very good chance that as a tight end, he could be the top pass catcher, which is not really what you want to do when you're a team that could barely manufacture 300 yards and 18 points a game last year so on offense uh, it's not looking too great if score touchdowns is the mantra i don't know that they can score touchdowns um i will say on on newcomer wise you know you got to say Bozlik and probably the running backs coming in that's you know those are the guys to watch for that can make a dent um no no huge you know indianas the northwesterns etc the world are not going to go nab a a rare five star maybe one four star every five years they're gonna have to kind of manufacture their talent and indiana's definitely gonna have to do that here and they probably are gonna have to do that on scheme um defensively you know boy this was a big aside from the offense couldn't score then the problem was last year the defense couldn't stop anybody they gave up 13 points more per game year over year last year um you know they're DC left. Um, they got a new one from Minnesota. You know, yeah, boy, I, it's equally as messy on the defensive side of the ball. They did work the portal really hard. Um, they've got three, at least three transfers that could start. Probably the biggest guy and the and the biggest impact transfer or impact player or newcomer period for them is JH Tevis, who is cool, a D man. tackle from um, Cal he started every game there you got um, Miles Jackson who came from UCLA um, you know he's a, he's already named a team captain as a new transfer um, but they've got to replace a guy like Micah McFadden who was Indiana's top tackler he's been a coach on the field since 2019 you got boy Bradley Jennings Jr. who came from Miami, Florida, the U but he lost the starting job last year or in, in 2020 I should say. Um, boy again it's, it's pretty bleak. Cam Jones is a fifth year player. player. Um, he's probably a nice guy. Um, he's fast he's you know he's a, he's a pretty sure tackler. Um, a couple of freshmen to maybe look for. There's a linebacker and edge rusher. You know, you know, just like we said with Michigan State's D backs preview, you gotta you gotta protect your secondary with a good pass rush. Deshaun McCullough, uh, highest ranked member of their recruiting class. Um, you know, I, I think that he's got a chance to kind of do something for them. The secondary will be pretty decent. Um Tywan Mullen and Jalen Williams are seniors, they're experienced. Devin Matthews, Bryant Fitzgerald, um, have experience. But they only had five interceptions last year. Um, they had 17, I believe, uh, the year before. Yeah, they picked off. So, again, you know, if you're not going to score, you better be able to stop teams. And that was a recipe for disaster last year for Indiana. And yeah, I don't know, we'll get to them in a minute, picks-wise. Um, specialist-wise, um, Charles Campbell comes back, you know, 13 out of 18 field goals last year, pretty good. Um, they've got a, a couple guys competing for the job at punter, including a, a transfer from a, a small school. Um, you know, usually Indiana has a pretty good return game. David Ellis is a guy to watch out for, um, you know, somebody that can maybe step up. You know, bottom line, the strength of this team is. I think has the potential to be the run game. It's going to have to be the run game because their pass game is going to be weak. That is their weakness. All around, I don't really know that they have much in the way of strengths, and they've got a lot of question marks, borderline weaknesses. It's going to be a long season down in Indiana. It'll be interesting to see if the natives get a little bit restless with all the rah-rah and the good stuff that they like out of their coach um let's face it Indiana's a basketball school football is always going to play second fiddle um they're a program like northwestern that every three or four years can kind of piece it together rise up and maybe get eight wins maybe get lucky and get nine wins Um, but indiana has not done that in a full-on season where everybody was playing and everybody was on the same level playing field in a very long time um and it ain't gonna happen this year so Here's the tone setter is they have a Big Ten game right in their opener, Illinois at home. I think they lose that. Then I think they do okay the next couple weeks. They beat Idaho. They beat Western Kentucky. They struggled with Western Kentucky last year. They go to Cincinnati, and that starts a little bit of a spell. They're going to take the L there. So they start out 2-2, two and two and things, boom, okay, they're feeling pretty good. At Nebraska, loss. Michigan, loss. Maryland, win. I think they'll beat Maryland, and I think that's going to be their one Big Ten win. At Rutgers, loss. Maybe played it in Bloomington. Maybe it's different. And then, listen to this stretch to finish in November. Penn State, at Ohio State, at Michigan State, Purdue. Ouch. L-L-L-L. I mean, the Big Ten East is tough. The name of the game for me in the Big Ten West is parity. I don't think there's a clear-cut favorite. Um, I, you'll see that when I kind of weigh in with my overall you know, comparative picks to Ryan. The Big Ten East is a little bit more clear-cut, especially when you talk about the top. The middle may be a little bit of jockeying, but it is pretty dang clear to me that Indiana, sad for them, is another O for season, and that's going to make 0 and 18 Actually, not this year because they're going to win 1. They're going to go 1-8 in the Big Ten, 3-9 overall, but that's going to make for 1-17 the last two years after that Golden Goose season in 2020. Um, sorry, Alex. You might just want to not go to any games and just start looking forward to basketball season.
1: Yeah, I am going 3-9-1 in the, the Big Ten. Um, it's going to be ugly.
0: What, do we agree on their schedule? Maryland, is that the one that you had, too? Uh, I had Rutgers. Oh, Rutgers. You have them flipped. Yeah, okay. flipped those, yeah. So that is number seven in the East. Ryan, give us number six in the West. Uh,
1: in the West, I had two teams, T5, and I'll do the one that lost to the other T5 and. Nebraska, so five-year trend, 2017, 4-8, 2018, 4-8, 2019, 5-7, 2020, 3-5, 2021, 3-9, oh boy, Scott Frost's ass
0: is as warm as ever, and it's going (laughs) to be, it's going to, Gonna burn. Scott Frost is going to want to come and kiss me on the mouth because I agree, I disagree with Ryan here, but we'll get I, to that. I think
1: he's, I think he's gone after this year. After what we'll talk about here, fun fact, their turnover machine Adrian Martinez is finally gone. Um, Frost contract was restructured. His buyout actually is after October first. Indiana it drops way down, so if they do crap, they can fire him. And then they bring in Mark Whipple as offensive coordinator. Worked wonders with well, a Well, not, not according to to Narduzzi, but um, but he did. He worked wonders with uh, Kenny Pickett last year um, at Pitt. Uh, it brings a lot of a lot of experience. Um, so we shall see what happens there. Um, yeah, offense. Um, you know, like I said, Adrian Martinez is gone. He was good, and then he was also awful. Turned the ball over a lot. Fumble, pick, you name it. Um, so they have two transfers that come in. Casey Thompson from Texas, who started a pretty good amount of games last year. Chuba Purdy, who redshirted last year at Florida State. And then Logan Smothers is a returning guy. I think he was a freshman last year. Played a little bit. He had a decent game against Iowa. Um, so they had three quarterbacks kind of going for But Scott Frost actually came out today and said um, tomorrow they start practice. And Casey Thompson will be taking the, fir- the snaps of the first team. Um, he had a hand injury, so it was kind of. Un, unknown what would happen with him, but he's I guess going to be the starter as of now. But I'm sure they'll battle it out. Um, you know, bring back a few running backs. Ramir Johnson's a returning rusher, uh, leading rusher. He was okay, and then you got Jacques Yant and Gabe Irvin. Um, they were okay. Um, you know, bigger backs last year for them. I could see them breaking out. Um, you know, Scott Frost offense is interesting and mixing with Mark Whipple, very spread, you know, pro-style, you know, a lot lot of RPO kind of thing. Expect to see that a lot. Um, Then receiver, I think they actually have, you know, solid, solid group. Omar Manning, he's back. He was pretty dang good last year. I think he's like 6'3", 6'4", had a decent year. Um, Then they have some transfers coming in. they got Marcus Washington from Texas, pretty big body. Um, Then they've also got... Um, Trey Palmer from LSU, six foot, um, played a little bit for them um, last couple years. So guys that play at the Power Five level um, have been able to you know mix it up a little bit. Expect to see them be pretty good. They lost some of their their good tight ends from last year. I can't remember the huge guy Allen. I think last year like six mm. eight. Yeah, he was a big dude. Really big guy. Um, but yeah, I think you know it's okay. And then their offensive line. Um, is very very thin on experience. I, don't, I hardly, th- I think they only returned one guy that's even started. Uh, they need a spark here because it, they need to protect Casey Thompson um, in order to you know to be successful and, and get to where they want to go offensively. Um, I don't think they can do it. But newcomers I already talked about. Paul Mark talked about um, um, the, the other guy from Texas there, Washington. Um, this guy's got the best name. This is a receiver coming in next year. So he's a three-star um, recruit uh, from Shreveport, Louisiana. Dakota Crawford. <laughs> sounds
0: like one of those TikToks of. Uh, yeah, it's
1: like uh, Keion Peel. Yeah, Keion Peel. Yeah. Yeah, funny, funny name. He'll probably play. Actually, he's pretty good. And then Hunter Anthony. He's an Oklahoma State transfer um, tackle. Um, played a little bit for them, so he's coming in. Um, but has never obviously played it down for the Huskers. Expect him to
0: probably. These guys have win. some pressure too because this coach's ass is on the line. Yeah, this
1: is this is dire straits for Mr. Frost. They need their offense to click. Defense, they return their two leading tacklers, linebackers Luke Reamer and Noah Henrik. Um, that's really good stuff. They also did have some some guys drafted last year, in Jojo and JoJo Dahman and Cameron Taylor Britt. Um, so you know, they there's some some decent guys coming back with with these two linebackers here expect them to be their leaders again um, then they bring back defensive ends Garrett Nelson and Cameron Tanner both pretty big um, you know edge rusher guys um, but not much else their interior wiped out basically brought bringing some transfers um, the secondary should be okay they got King Williams coming over from Alabama um, just a common theme here of a lot of transfers to fill holes um, and then they got Tommy Hill um, Arizona State cornerback transfer um, meeting the film then Ochon Mathis he was a uh, one of the top rated uh, transfer portal guys from TCU's about 6'5 was a highly rated recruit expect to see him do pretty well out there um, but other than that their defense is very very thin on experience um, and they need guys to step up now um, and that's an understatement special teams wise no one that's ever punted a football um, for the Huskers is back, so they got to find someone for that. And there's kind of some walk-ons. They're going to duke it out. Um, plus, Bren Bishini, he's a Montana transfer, so see how that goes. And then kicker Chase Contreras was kind of the guy last year toward the end of the year, but they struggled mightily, missed a lot of extra points, missed short field goals, kicked it into guys' backs, uh, all this stuff. So Tom, this guy's got a funny name too, Timmy Bleak Road. Hmm. Oh, why they just have funny names. He comes from Furman, so they get a couple FCS um, transfers to, to be specialist for him. Hopefully he'll be better than what they had cause before they are sucked. Strength of this team, linebackers, like I said, um, Reamer and Henrik, I think they're going to be quite the one-two punch, probably one, one of the top duos in the Big Ten there. Weakness, definitely the offensive line. They need to find guys quick, find seven or eight guys that can play her off, so they're probably going to be screwed. Um, because you know, I think in the past they've had decent offensive line. You know, and Martinez just couldn't take care of the ball. This year, they have a quarterback that's new to this system, new to the program, and you know he's had a history of injury. Um, not the biggest guy in the world, he's getting hit. His running backs are getting hit. Something's going to happen. Um, that's why I ultimately have them tying for fifth in the West with Illinois, um, who we'll get to next week. Um, going five and seven overall, three and six in conference. Um, said that they were going to lose in Northwestern. I stand by that. Um, then they, they go to, to back home play North Dakota. Um, should be a win. Then Georgia Southern should be a win as well. Um, then they play Oklahoma at home. I just, Did
0: just Oklahoma battle last year?
1: Yeah. I, I think Oklahoma's going to be better defensively with Venables as their coach. I think it's going to be a loss. Um, but it's in Lincoln, so I guess you never know. Then they have a bye week. And then they play Indiana, who I think they'll beat. And then they play Rutgers. Um, who I also think they'll beat. So, you know, they're feeling good. Four and two, you know, after after seven weeks of the season. Uh, then this is where the wheels kind of fall off. At Purdue, I think it's going to be a loss, and they go to a bye. Illinois, lost to him last year. They're going to lose to them again. Minnesota, they squeak out a win. Um, and then the last three games, kind of a bit of a gauntlet. At Michigan, I think they'll be a loss. Home against Wisconsin. Um, loss, and then at Iowa, loss. So that'd be 2-1 out of conference, 3-6, Big Ten, like I said, 5-7 and seven overall. No bowl game, Scott Frost gone, start all over, should never have gotten rid of Bo Pelini for going 10-4, ten, ten whatever, 9-3, 8-4, because that would be, what, 17? Six straight losing seasons. They haven't been to a bowl game since 2016. I think they went, well, maybe maybe seven straight, because I think they might have gone 6-7 and seven that year.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, this, uh, this is one of the only areas that Ryan and I had some pretty stark differences overall. I actually have Nebraska going 2-1 and one out of conference with the lost Oklahoma. I have them going 5-4 and four in the Big Ten, which if this tells you anything about the Big Ten West, that's a tie for second. Yeah, so just to not to tip my hand too much, but I believe I have a four-way tie for second. <laughs> In the Big Ten West, great. Uh, I have them going seven to five. I have them saving Frost's job by the skin of their teeth because they're going to beat Minnesota. They're going to beat Wisconsin, although they'll lose to to Iowa. Um, I think that win against Wisconsin is going to seal his fate as coming back. You know, maybe it's going to be still tenuous next year, um, but you know their losses haven't been by much. That's pretty well documented. They lose a ton of games by eight points or less, by one score or less. Um, I think they're going to round the corner this year. I think they get that 7-5, tie for second in the West. And I think they get into the Music City Bowl. So we will see who was right and who was wrong uh, come next December. All right, moving on to number six in the Big Ten East. Let me flip back to the east side of my little spreadsheet. We're going to go with the... Straight up sixth place finish, no tie. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Um, trend like Indiana, not so great. Two and seven last year, six. Three and six the year before, fifth. Oh and nine, oh and nine, three and six. <coughs> not a winning record in a long time. Shiano's in year th- three. He's definitely recruited really well. He's definitely hit the transfer portal, not as much as like a Tucker or even as Indiana this year or whatever. But to fill kind of some key spots, but he's also lost a couple of transfers, turned over some talented players on both sides of the ball, um, and let's here's the bottom line for why I have them sixth. And we'll get into their their schedule and their individual games here at the end of the preview. But is you'll see they have arguably the toughest schedule in in the Big Ten. I mean, their crossover games are Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Uh, Those are three of the top teams in the West, um, if not the three top teams in the West. And then the East is tough all by itself. So, uh, you know, it's hard to say that they're going to take a step forward with a worse record, but that's kind of how I feel about Rutgers. You know, when I pieced this all out and I laid it all out and I kept looking at it, I'm like, there's got to be a way for me to find more wins from. And I I just can't. Um, I think they've got some talented guys. I think that they've got some ability. I think that they'll... Pull a surprise or two. Would it surprise me if maybe they squeak out six wins and and actually qualify for a bowl? Because remember, they played in a bowl game last year as a COVID fill-in with a losing record. Um, No, it wouldn't surprise me. But I think that Rutgers knows they're in for the long haul with Shiano. I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think they're worried about that this time. They're willing to kind of build the slow roll. He's in on some five-star guys and some four-star guys from his own backyard that used to go to Penn State, that used to go to Notre Dame, that used to go to Michigan and are going to Michigan State. I mean, he's going toe-to-toe, and he's getting some of these guys. I think he's the right coach there. Um, He can take his chop mentality and, you know, taunting it back at Michigan State and, and remember what happened to him from the Spartans last year in that game and shove it, we own chop, chop on, baby, whatever it is, whatever Mel calls it, keep chopping, um, but bottom line, you know, the Scarlet Knights are heading in the right direction again, even if their record might not show it this year. Now, here's where it gets interesting, right out of the gate, when you talk about offense. Some sites and some previews and some prognosticators would lead you to believe that they think Noah Vedral, who's been around the block, started at UCF, followed Scott Frost in Nebraska, transferred and played a lot, where zero as a quarterback is really strange to me, but Whatever think that's his number right Yep. yeah because the the guy that transferred changed to tight end their other quarterback last year um he is uh, like number 21 or something like that anyway some would have you think it's him but remember last year gavin Wimsat, the kid who was a big rutgers recruit and then all of a sudden graduated from high school in september and came in and actually played in four games last year for them i gotta think that Shiano's smart enough to look at things and go, look, we got a brutish schedule. Let's not sell out this year only and not develop this guy and risk losing him to the transfer portal. He's from Kentucky, and Kentucky's quarterback's going to be Bolton. You know, they have him highly rated for the NFL draft next year. He might go back. So in that game, you got to play a little bit of that show game. I personally think Wimsat's the guy that gets it. The nice thing is is you've got a good backup. You can mix him in a little bit. Vedral can he's got good legs. He can run. Um, I think Wimsat's the long term answer there, though. I think he's the guy that gets it. Um, you know, I think Rutgers definitely takes a hit on at the running back spot. Their O line is gonna be really solid. They lost a couple guys in the transfer portal, but they brought in, I believe, four transfers, and they hit some big time recruits. Um, now, offensive line is probably the slowest developing for recruits. Very rarely do you see true freshmen. We talked about this in Michigan State's O-line preview several weeks ago. Uh, very rarely do you see a guy be able to step in and take over as a true freshman on the O-line. But that bodes well for them. Um, they've got some nice receivers. They've got a um, transfer from Syracuse, Taj Harris, who's been a really nice receiver for Syracuse for the last couple seasons. He's coming in. He's going to be a, a big-name guy for them. Um I think, though, that, you know, this being Wimsot's team, I think, you know, he's he's got a a chance to move them forward offensively. Um, You know, back at running back, you got, you know, a couple guys. Kyle uh, Monangai, Monangai, somebody from Rutgers would have to help me with the pronunciation there. Four rushing touchdowns. Aaron Young, um, almost 300 yards from scrimmage. Six total touchdowns. Back, so, you know, they've got some production back. Um, you know, Guy is, is smaller, so he fits their scheme well, um, but he does run bigger than his size. Young's a little bit more of a receiving threat. Um, you know, again, you got Taj, Taj Harris. You've got Sean Ryan along with uh, Aaron Cruikshank, who's coming back from a torn ACL as the top targets. Cruikshank, I believe, also was a really good return man yep. um, in the past. The
1: Wisconsin guy.
0: Tight end's a little bit of a question mark by Johnny Langan. Um, you know he had 18 catches for 177 yards last year. Plus, he can kind of give you that look if you want to go Wildcat. He's a big, big guy that can run a little bit. I'm not a huge fan of the Wildcat. I think it's way too predictable. But they have that option there, so they've got some depth there. Um, I think Harris is by by far the biggest newcomer there. Although they've got some fill-in pieces on the O line that could be pretty good. I think offensively, um, again, I would take my lumps with the. He got some experience last year, but I would go with a young guy. I'd work my way in. I'd season up that line. I don't think the offense is going to be the problem. I don't think it's going to be the best in the East, but it's not going to be the worst in the East. Certainly not like Indiana. Uh, the Rutgers defense last year wasn't great. It was 10th or worse in the big 10 and in major, in a, you know, like four major team categories. Um, but you know, when it's on, they cause turnovers and they're stingy. And that's the key though, is when it's on and can it be against this year's schedule? Um, new defensive coordinator, could be the best uh, Rutgers pass rush in years. Um, Aaron Lewis is ready for a breakout season. County Hamilton is a budding star who can play inside or out. Um, there's two proven tackles there up front, which definitely helps. Um, they're going to be very young and thin at linebacker, though. They lost 96 combined starts to the Jeez. NFL draft. That's a lot to kind of pick up on. Um you know, they had a star freshman Moses Walker who suffered a season-ending ACL tear in spring practice. You got another guy who missed the year with a spring injury, uh, Toure. Um, but as weak as the linebackers are, the secondary is probably a strength. They're deep. They've got returning starters. Max Melton um, is the name to watch there. Really good. You got a Temple transfer. Uh, Christian Bazarel back after he missed last season with a torn ACL. Something with the torn ACLs in Rutgers. I don't know what's going on. Feels like in our game or another game they lost a couple. Maybe the Michigan game last year lost two or three guys to ACLs it was crazy. Um, so I think that defensively, Rutgers is is gonna, you know, they'll hang with kind of the mid to lower echelon teams. I think the teams like the Ohio States, the Michigan States, the teams with the high powered offenses are probably going to have their way with Rutgers as they have in the past. Um, you know, at special teams, looking at real quick, Adam Corsak, who's, uh, you know, their punter. He was really good last year. Um, you know, he really good at his net yards. Um, he's a Ray Guy Award finalist. Um, Zach Taylor replaces his older brother, Billy, at long snapper. Kicker Valentino Ambrosio, which is a sweet, cool, like, man. soccer name. He's a former soccer player. Um uh, As we said, uh, he had some big misses early. Entered the transfer portal in the spring, so he's gone. Um, But could it be Guy Fava, um, an incoming recruit, Jai Patel, a transfer portal? So that's a little shaky. You lose a guy who was at least, you know, had the the Italiano name and had some experience, wasn't very good, and you got nobody proven. And when push comes to shove and every point matters, You don't have a reliable kicker, that's probably an issue. Um, you know, strength wise, I think that Shiano's teams have toughness. I would have no question about toughness. I think they've got some good depth at nice positions at key skill positions. Uh, I think their weakness is still going to be their defense, um, especially kind of in the middle there at linebacker. You know, good line, good secondary. Do they have enough depth and experience of the linebackers to kind of cover some of those sins of the front nine and, and or front four and, and help out the back four? Yeah, I don't know. It remains to be seen. So uh, bottom line, when push comes to shove, I've got Rutgers, who has a tough opener too, by the way, on top of a tough Big Ten schedule, losing at Boston College. Um, and that's going to be kind of, unfortunately, a tone setter for them. Wagner, that's an easy win. At Temple, I think is an easy win, but then starts the Big Ten gauntlet, and again they play the three arguably best teams from the West in addition to the East. Iowa at home loss at Ohio State loss Nebraska at home. I've got them actually beating Nebraska at home. Um, Indiana at home win. So okay, things look good. They're one, two, three, four, and and three early in the season. You're thinking, okay, they just need to squeak out a couple more wins in the last you know five weeks of the season. At Minnesota, no nope. Michigan, no nope. at Michigan State, no nope. Penn State, no nope. at Maryland. Maybe a, one of those kind of turn games, but at this point I've got them for a loss. I have Rutgers going 2-1 and one out of conference, 2-7 in the Big Ten, 4-8 overall with a sixth-place finish in the Big Ten East. I do think that they're on the rise. I think they're, they're going to get better. I think they could easily leapfrog Maryland if not this year. Next year, to be a pretty solid fifth place team in the Big Ten, which would be good enough to let them contend for a bowl game. But when you're playing, unless the divisions realign or they get rid of divisions with the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State in your division every year, good luck with that. Yeah. I don't know. How do you have Rutgers Uh, faring?
1: Yeah, I think pretty similar to you. Um, Do you you have five? I have them going 4-8. Yeah, I have them 4-8 as well. 1-8 in the Big Ten. I had them beating Boston College, um, Wagner, Temple, then losing. Then I have them beating Indiana for their one Big Ten victory. Um, yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, Rutgers could be one of those teams, again, that surprises us. I think. I also I, think that
1: first games, if, I mean, if they win that, it could build momentum. If they lose, mm-hmm. it could all fall down.
0: There's just not a whole lot of games that you look at on their schedule and go, yeah, I could see that being the other way. And, you know, that's how I look at the composite schedule for everybody and my initial gut reaction is i just go through and go this is what i think and then i go back and i start to reanalyze a little bit i'm like all right could this be a swing game am i missing something here am i not here Rockers, they've, they've got the hardest schedule in the big 10 period they just do all right moving on to fourth down we've got an extra long pod tonight um, with these previews and it's going to continue to be that way so enjoy cool up. We are going to finish up as we always do in the summertime. Fourth down of golf. Give us a little contest update, Ryan. After last week, Tony froze own phenol with a win.
1: Got Piercy melted down. Like oh. I said,
0: what did he blow? He blew. Uh, so he was
1: five shot lead.
0: Yeah, he was. Tony was down five, and then he won by what three or four? Uh, and he was <laughs> got up four at one point until he got messy with the, in the eighteenth hole Gold himself, to Tony. but. Um. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy tournament last well,
1: week. Well, both the the guys that we we picked the same people. Neither of them made the cut. So that was a great, great so, week.
0: So let's see how. Do, what do we do this this week? That's in Detroit. The, in the Rocket, Rocket Mortgage. Mortgage Classic.
1: Yeah. I'm excited. Um. I'm going with the H's this week. Mister Max Homa and Adam Hadwin.
0: All right, I'm going. We don't have the same guys this week. I'm going Cameron Young, fresh off a great, another great major. The yeah, British I like him. and Maverick McNeely, who's had a nice yeah, he's season had a nice as well. Year. Um, you know, the Rocket Mortgage is actually kind of a sneaky fun one to watch. It's been a playoff the High last couple sc- years. Low was it? another Cam won it last year, right? Wasn't Cam Davis that won it last year? So that'll be a good one. Probably not going to be as hot in Michigan as it was last year. It was like scorching in the night. It was a little closer to Fourth of July last year too, but it was in the 90s, and it's supposed to be a nice, pleasant, high 70s, low 80s week and weekend in and, yep. and Michigan, so perfect golf weather. They kind of tend to tear that course up, but that's okay It's to Donald Ross, right? Yep. Um, and, you know, it should make for some fun golf for sure. So that's this week uh, in terms of tournament play. Obviously, we're getting closer to the FedEx. Yeah, and one things more get a week more after serious.
1: this serious. regular
0: season. So for the question of the week, Ryan, what is – I read this story out of Golf Magazine – Funny stuff. So, being a member of the GAM Golf Association of Michigan and having a handicap, we get what is it? Golf? We get Golf and Golf Digest for free, basically. Um, And so, I get the e-newsletter every day. Um, I stack them up, and and finally, we'll read them in droves. (laughs) And I was reading this the other day about a guy in some muni out in like Brooklyn or something, talking about you know slow play, and they kind of inadvertently drove up on a guy. Um, well, not inadvertently. They just didn't think they could get it there. They rolled it. So it landed and it rolled like 10 feet and it landed near him, within five feet of him, say. Not on the hop, not on the fly. Probably didn't yell four is what I gather. So they probably should have, but this guy had been playing slow in front of them the whole time. It's kind of immune So you get, you know, whatever. A lot of tight holes from what I read. Guy who was hit into turns around goes to the guy who drove up's ball and launches it into the woods. And then there's an altercation after that about you owe me a ball, what the hell are you doing? You've been on my ass all day, blah, blah, blah. Chances are, if you've been on a golf course long enough, you've dealt with it. So the question of the week, Ryan, what is one thing that would cause you to throw down on a golf course? Now, there were no fisticuffs here, but that was oh, kind of the question. I don't know. That was the question from the guy. I would just say if people... I mean, we... Hitting
1: into... Like, I, if you're, I don't
0: know. Like, an inadvertent, you know, oh, I didn't know that you were there. I didn't think I could get it that far, whatever. Because, let's face it, amateurs think they have bigger kahunas than they do and wait too long all the time to get a par 5 and 2 or whatever, and they have no chance. This was like a 290-yard par 4, I think. Which, so, even if this guy's pretty good, let's face it, like, the average drive for a mid-handicap, average-handicap person is really like 240, 230, 240. It's not like, you know, I've been piping it this year, and I had 240, 250 pretty consistently. Maybe if I'm lucky and I catch a downslope, I'll get 270, or if I get wind or something, I'll go a little bit further. But so most people wouldn't think that they could get that far. So, and if it's been slow play and whatever, boy, I, I've actually had a few run-ins with people more for not yell like if it was maybe in the area and they knew somebody might be there and they didn't yell for like didn't get hit but like landed it felt the wind on my back type of thing and that's happened to me a couple times didn't really get close to fisticuffs but definitely had words because it's just kind of like a courtesy if you're way offline and you're way off your target just yell for um, I know it's easy sometimes to go, oh nobody's gonna get hit by that or whatever but that's probably the thing for me that yeah, would do I, it that I'd agree is enough of that and and I mean, if you inadvertently drove up on somebody, like the dude that drove up in the story, he should have just yelled for. I'm, you know, the guy still may have turned and hit his ball because it sounded like it was a little contentious the, the whole time. But um, interesting. So l- let us know on social what would cause you to throw down on a golf course, or if you've seen my TikTok, maybe it's catching people driving through yes, sand traps and yeah. turfing greens and things like that. That would probably cause me to throw down for sure. So,
1: all right, I got
0: a. Did you see Ryan? Did you see, not that we watch a lot of women's golf, but the lady who picked up Nellie oh, Corda's yeah. ball.
1: Crazy. And I have to ask,
0: is it that unobvious that golf balls on a golf course at a golf tournament are not just there for your picking and this or by accident? It's not there. like a foul ball. Like, I get if you haven't really been there, you might go, oh, hey, a ball. But, like, when your brain and, like, a, your synapse fire and go, oh, this is somebody's ball from around here. It's not like somebody dropped it out of their pocket or whatever. I mean, no arm, no file. They were scolding her on the broadcast. It was kind of funny. Um, you know, a rules official quickly came over and probably her the right act, and they replaced the ball. Corda had a I think a double bogey on the hole, not because of that. It was a it was a wayward drive for sure, but interesting. And then the other, did you see? How about did you hear about this? Ryan, there's a 12 year old who qualified for the U.S. Amateur at Bayview Ridiculous. 12 years old. Totally self taught, never taken a lesson. Has you know, people have tried to kind of sell him on why he needs to take lessons in swing mechanics and all that stuff. He's completely a field player. Uh, pretty wild. remarkable story. I think he won the chip what is it, the drive chip putt thing at Augusta maybe a couple of years ago. Um, that's one reason for me to turn it now. Obviously, US amateur, you got to get through this, the 64. Or, however many people qualify first, they got to get through stroke play and then they get into, into match play. So, I'm hoping he gets into match play because I'd love to watch him him play. Um, that's all I got for golf. You got anything for golf this week? Nope. Nope. Sir. All right. We're running, definitely running longer on the pod. So, we will wrap her up with the sprint. Going back to your first down topic, who is your favorite Michigan State defensive back of all time? Oh,
1: Darquez, probably.
0: Darquez Denard, that's yeah. a really good pick. I mean, there's been a lot of them lately. I got to go, and now his name totally blanked out for me, just retired from the Colts. Kari Willis? Yeah, Kari Willis, great, great player, great, really good NFL player. Walked away from pro football and millions of dollars to be a minister. Um, I just thought he was always in the right place at the right time. He made big plays on good Michigan State teams. Michigan State's had a lot of good defensive backs. They need to have some good defensive backs this year, but that would be my guy, Kari Willis. If you could pick the song Michigan State came into, now we all know as Michigan State fans, they turned to swag surfing last year after mm-hmm. years, of decades of of uh, thunderstruck. What would it be?
1: I, I'd go back to thunderstruck. I love that.
0: I would too. I, I just think you I know that's a tradition. Kickstart that my heart or something like that. Kickstart my heart would be sweet, like hot for teacher. Something like can just like the inner Sandman so cool because it just has that build up, and that's why I thought thunderstruck was good. So I'd agree. Something like that rocking. Um, Sprint three. Of the teams we previewed today, who has the best shot at rising up?
1: Mm, Probably Rutgers, I'd say.
0: And you you picked Nebraska, um, you know, because you're doing the West. You picked them in sixth. They're tied for sixth. And I actually have them tied for second. So I'd say Nebraska is my team has the best shot at rising up. And sprint number four, better to watch on TikTok. Golden Retriever videos or golf videos. Dogs, always dogs. Always dogs. I agree. All right, Ryan, wrap us up. Uh, follow us on Twitter,
1: Final Score Thirty Five, uh, TikTok as well. I believe it's under the same name. Mm-hmm. Um, Not yeah. the Final
0: Score Thirty Five is the Final Score Podcast. Oh, I think, or Something like that. Um,
1: yeah, like us on Apple Pod, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen on. Leave a comment if you want. Um, appreciate you guys listening. Um,
0: Thank you. And be ready next week for more Big Ten previews. Maybe we'll spread them out between first and second down since Ryan's done with the other. And just to keep our podcast under an hour and an hour and a half. Um, Because we get into these previews, we put a lot of homework into them. Unlike, again, as I called out a couple weeks ago here on the pod, people who just randomly pick games and put absolutely zero thought into it. Anyway, so thank you for listening. Come back next week to hear how we... Um, have the fifth and fourth place spots finished in the west and the east among other things Uh, shout out to team anders our presenting sponsor if you have realty needs in west michigan teamanders.com is your spot to go and mean meantime as mk clinton who probably nobody knows who that is once said the world would be a nicer place if everyone had the ability to love as unconditionally as a dog